quick message before we get into this replay with Eli Kassab on burnout. Great episode. Eli brings a lot of energy to athletic training and a lot of unique insight. It just has a really unique story, so we're excited to reshare this one. But our Throw a Lifeline program is up and running. You're supporting it already just by listening to this. We really want to get this going. We've had plenty of applications. We want to get our first one fulfilled as soon as we can. We're over halfway there. Uh, so if you have the means and are willing, please check out clinicallypress.com backslash throw a lifeline or search for us on social media. Uh, Venmo, if you can make a small donation. Uh, PayPal, if you can make a small donation. Or again, just keep listening and share out the podcast because the more listeners we get, the more ad revenue we can bring in. That will 100% go to supporting this and getting athletic trainers the supplies. They need to take care of their patients. Um Really hoping we can get this up and running even more as it will be a great thing. But without further ado, please enjoy this replay on Burnout with Eli Kassab. Welcome to this episode of Athletic Training Chat. On this episode, we are on with Eli Kassab, which if you are on Twitter, you have most likely seen Eli's uh, TikTok videos that have been popping up uh, in some of the dance-offs that he's had. So, highly entertaining. If you haven't checked those out, we recommend that you do because you are in for a show, to say the least. Um, but in this episode, Eli and I talk about athletic training burnout, um, how that can affect you, and how you can use it not just as something to take a break, but also turn it into a positive, and you never know where that stuff's going to quite lead you. So really good episode, um, especially during this time. We talk about it um, in relation to using this time uh, to kind of get back to what would seemingly maybe be a baseline to help um, kind of recalibrate and get going from there. Uh, great episode, and we hope you enjoy. this episode of athletic training chat uh we are on with eli kassab which i probably should ask if that no, said that correctly you nailed it actually well done man. perfect awesome <laughs> i was thinking about that earlier and of course didn't ask but anyway uh we are when this comes out in i'm sure just a few weeks at the forefront of um the coronavirus pandemic so yeah. uh, we did not have this plan to do this week during this but it ends up working out really well um, especially on my end, very free, but we are going to be talking about athletic trainer burnout, which honestly I think is really interestingly timed with this because I know in my case, we are basically shut down for four weeks in the collegiate setting. Uh, so a lot of time to kind of regather everything, which is going to be some sort of amazing, but um, yeah. not the case for everybody. But before we get there, Eli, I wanted to turn over and just get a little bit more background on you. Yeah. So just, uh, I mean, a little bit about me, just so people get to know me um, a little bit. Uh, I, I graduated, I've been certified since 2012. Um, I graduated from undergrad at Weber State University. Um, and then I did my GA ship at Northern Arizona University, uh, did grad school out there. And then uh, got a, in the middle of grad school, I, I got a summer internship with the CLC Hawks working football. And um, then after I finished and graduated, um, my GA ship, I went and worked with the uh, Miami Dolphins on a one-year position. And then 
I ended up staying for two years. Um, we wanted me to come back. So I stayed a second year, did that for two years with the dolphins. And then, um, I, uh, I took a position over at Oregon state, uh, briefly for about six weeks because the day before I left to take the Oregon state job, I got a call from the LA Rams who were moving at the time looking for another one year position, uh, that they have offered to me. And so I took a position down there, uh, left Oregon state on good terms and, uh, did a, a year with the, with the Rams. And, uh, you know, at the end of the year, I was still kind of looking for a full-time position. Nothing had opened up yet. So I, uh, got a job over working at Stanford, um, uh, for football. Uh, I did that for a year and, and then I quit and then I uh, started doing some PRN work with Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu athletes, as well as started a mental health business and stopped the mental health business. And then now I'm, I'm still doing athletic training and kind of still transitioning into a couple of different things and experimenting with the other avenues to kind of try and sum it up. I try to make it short. Sorry. Yeah, needless to say, you've done a little bit. Of... I, I've done a lot. I've no kidding. <laughs> Um, wow. Uh, not even given that background, huh? where to begin? Um, AT burnout, you know, I think it's something that comes up a lot, you know, just our interactions back and forth. You mentioned that's something you find yourself talking to a lot of people about. I can see where potentially knowing what I've been experienced in some of the roles that you've been in, it, it is yeah. very, very possible, um, given those roles, but mm-hmm. where are we at currently on that? Do you think? So, with burnout in our profession, I, I, I think it's still, I think where we're at right now is just learning to understand it and, and what it is. I, I think for the people that, I, that I've talked to about it is, okay, is it, you know, is it a, are you, is it a result from a number of hours worked? You know what I mean? And that's, you know, a lot of people are like, oh, you just decrease the hours that you're working and you won't burn out. Like, I, I don't think that's personally, I don't think that's true. I think the burnout part is when it starts mentally affecting your state of mind versus like, well, you know, some people may really love what they're doing and they can do it for, you know, 90 hours a week and be just fine. They might be physically exhausted, you know, depending on the work, but they might enjoy it. So like mentally they're, they're okay because they're doing what they love. So I think the first step is just kind of learning how to define it. Like what is burnout? Is it just hours worked? Is it just pay? Like, you know, for me, I, I think there's a more of a, of a mental health component to it. Um, you know, and you know, people can get burnt out work, working 40, 50 hours a week. So right. I, I, I think a lot of people correlate it to hours worked. And um, I, I don't think that's necessarily accurate. I, I think for me, it's again, looking at it from a mental health perspective and, you know, are you happy? Are you feeling fulfilled? Are you feeling valued? Are you feeling, you know, those types of things, um, you know, and for me personally, like when, when I hit burnout for me was when my 27, 2018 year when I was with Stanford, um, you know, before, you know, I was still working football all those years, but I was, you know, I was doing okay. I was doing what I loved. I was super excited. My whole goal was to work in the NFL. And once I got there, I mean, we were working nine to a hundred hours a week and I was tired, but I I enjoyed it. Like I I loved it. And it was a lot of fun. You know, there were, you know, stressful periods, like training camp, super stressful because now you're pushing 115, 120 hours a week and you can get physically exhausted you know, but you know, in the end, once you start the season, it gets a little bit more fun. So, uh, again, I think it just depends on your state of mind and, um, kind of where you're at mental health wise with your job and, you know, your personal values and goals. So I think just understanding that to answer your question is kind of, no, absolutely. 
Um, that was actually kind of a question I had, and just now you've bounced around a little bit. Um, maybe this ties a little bit into your mental health, you know, company that you started, and maybe now yeah. it downshifted a little bit. But do you see it, you know, varying um, by the the typical setting? Like, I don't. I have never been around professional football. I've been around Division One football. I haven't worked it as a certified. Um, but know that I've been around it as a student. A lot of my experience has been in Division One track, um, which has its own unique kind of version of it, and that the season never ends. Um, but now being at a Division Three, there's busy times, but it's not always busy. And then I don't, you know, I haven't actually done any work in a clinic or anything like that. So I, you know, on a regular basis, but any thoughts on that or in your conversations? Yeah. You know, you know, for me, it's, it's really interesting. I actually, I know the track and field, uh, work very well because during my GA ship, that was, uh, that's what I worked. I worked. I swear we ran into each other then because I was at Oklahoma state during the time. Oh, we for sure then. Cause I know for a fact we traveled up there for track, uh, track or cross country. Yep. Uh, we're up there for some cross country. Yep. Dang, that's crazy. Yep. When you said yeah. Northern Arizona, I was like, man, I feel <laughs> familiar. I think that's it. Yeah, 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 yeah. So um, I, I know it very well. I haven't, you know, after I did, you know, two years of that. And then, uh, you know, and then, yeah, like, you know, having a variety of experiences, at least for me in, in my personal experiences, uh, you know, it was, at least from the professional to the collegiate level, it was a lot more work at the collegiate level, at least for me in my specific situation at the time, you know, obviously that can change, you know, programs are always changing, always adding staff and changing things. And, but, uh, for me, just, um, track and field, I know is a really, really long season. It never ends. Uh, as far as professional football, college football, I, you know, for me, uh, a lot of the guys, when I was moving from NFL to college, they were telling me how much more work it was going to be. And, you know, and it was true because just because it's because the athletes, are there all year round, you know, there's winter conditioning, there's spring football, there's summer conditioning, there's, you know, it just never ends when you're in college. And like, I actually, I was almost as busy, if not busier in the off season in college than I was in season with football. So NFL wise, you know, it, in the off season, for the most part, you have a lot of downtime immediately when the season ends, but then you have kind of, periods where it gets busy you know draft stuff draft combine gets busy otas get busy rookie mini camp gets busy um but then you have like again the, the front end of like immediately after the season ends you've got some downtime a little bit depending on how far you go into the season and then you've got essentially about six weeks of complete like downtime before training camp starts now you're not off for six weeks but you know you'll rotate week vacations and stuff because you're still doing rehabs and things like that um you know but i have spoken to athletic track i've got friends of mine that are in a clinical setting industrial military a lot of different settings and you know and for me i don't think it's all tied to football as far as the the burnout thing um you know i the most common ones that i've personally that uh, I've heard from is basically football and track and field, some basketball athletic trainers, but for the most part, it's kind of uh, that track and field. And uh, of course, a lot of football uh, athletic right. trainers kind right. of hit that, you know, um, and I've heard a lot of really good things being in a, in a clinic, uh, an industrial military setting. They obviously, you know, those are a lot more uh, manageable hours. So I think it's, you know, less likely of, of 
getting burnt out, not to say that you still can't, but it just becomes less likely uh, in those settings. You know, again, just from people that I, I know in, in, in those areas that I've talked to. So specifically, um, mainly for the two of us, because this is where we spend most of our time in collegiate setting, um, maybe not so much the pros, what have you come across for like best practices on how to maybe control your hours or your job to some degree in order to avoid burnout? Yeah. So that's, that's something that's, that gets a little bit tricky because a lot of it kind of depends on your, you know, your support staff, your upper management, your supervisors. Um, you know, for me, it was, there, a lot, there are some things you can control. Um, some things are out of your control, you know, head coach or whatever is making the schedule and it is what it is. Um, you can basically try and do your best within your own staff to try and manage it, you know, um, but that's, depends like if you've got a situation where you've got a, a team of five athletic trainers all working football you guys can maybe afford to rotate some certain shifts or something like that then great but you know it's not always the case uh you know a lot of the times you know people don't have you know we're always shorthanded um you know in in the well in a lot of settings but definitely in the collegiate setting uh you know so i think as far as best practices for it to answer the question is really just learning how to kind of set some boundaries with the athletes and then the coaches, I think is really important. You know, um, of course, again, uh, you know, personality dynamics come into play, you know, what kind of head coaches are you working with and are they open to your suggestions? Like, Hey coach, listen, it'd be more efficient if we, you know, did taping and treatments like around this time and then have meetings, you know, here, here, and here and practice at this time, you know, can you have that conversation with your coach? Um, and then if you can't like, okay, well now how do you go about it? Well, you're talking with your supervisor, you know, how far up do you go up the chain before, um, you know, you kind of have to just kind of maybe suck it up or, or, and then look at other settings. You know what I mean? Like mm -hmm. there's only so much you can control, but at least making an effort to set boundaries, communicate with your coaches, communicate with your supervisor and say, Hey, listen, like, do I, do I need to, you know, be here for, let's say there's a four hour window where I'm just twiddling my thumbs. Like, okay, well, can I shut down the training room? Like, can I go get lunch? Can I go get a workout in? Can I go do something? Um, some places will let you do that. Some places are very still old school and that you're in the training room and it's, it's open, whether you're twiddling your thumbs or not, you're in there, you're open, you're available because that's just the way it, it, it is, it has been. Um, and I think trying to change that, that culture. Um, so I really think it's a big piece is just, yeah, setting boundaries and communicating, um, as best you can, you know, obviously it's, it depends on who's on the receiving end of those things. Um, but you know, focusing on the things that you can control, um, and not spending time worrying about what you can't control. Um, and if you are getting pushed back and stuff like that, and it's in a, you're in a toxic environment where nothing's working and you can't set boundaries then, you know, you either they change staff or you got to kind of up and leave, even though you may love your, your job, if you kind of hate the environment, you know, and you're unhappy, that's, you know, worst case scenario, you might have to kind of find somewhere else that's a little bit better suited and a little bit more open-minded into, into you setting those boundaries for yourself. Yeah, yeah, I agree completely. You said a couple of really interesting things there and it's one we've been talking about. Um, you said something very interesting to with coaches, working with coaches, which I think is something that's continuing to come up. And I know it's something that I've really changed my viewpoint on in the last couple of years, uh, working with, not for, uh, and going from there, 
all that being said, specifically in the collegiate setting, the the quote unquote medical model has been thrown around quite a bit, um, which I know can seemingly get interesting from time to time. I can't remember who I was talking to, but they were saying they were getting ready to, they had to put in their bid again because they had to be able to bid in order to provide the medical care to the team, you know, the teams they always had, but because they are now out of athletics, that's how the process goes. Do you think that might have an impact on it? Um, or is some in some of, like you said, the old school places, coaches have all the power. This is what it is. And pretty much your choice is to either suck it up or, like you said, ultimately you always have the trump card. If you can, you can leave. Like that's got to be a personal decision no matter how much it sucks. Yep. Yep. No. And, and so for me, you know, I'm, uh, I'm actually currently, I just started uh, a couple months ago. I'm actually at a, well, I don't even know if I put this in my intro, but I'm at a Dixie state university right now. in It's a, it's a division two school going D one here in a couple of months and they're on the medical model. And so I've been at collegiate settings on both, both ends of the spectrum with, you know, without it, with and without it. And so I've, kind of gotten familiarized over the last few months kind of working in that setting and it's and it's been it's been nice i'm sure there's you know there's pros and cons to it to it both but um you know i i think um yeah i mean learning to um work with like with the coaches and i think having that separation of being you know working basically being paid through the hospital but then working at the university um has you know kind of helped give us some security you know for me it's it's nice knowing that you know head coach uh, doesn't, you know, cause it does happen where in certain settings, if the head coach wants to bring in his own guy, like you're gone no matter what. Um, unfortunate. So, yeah, it's unfortunate, but it, it happens a lot. Like there's, right. you know, mostly in the professional setting, but it, it does happen. So, and I think, and I've seen from the coaching side of things too, that they're, they're slowly becoming a little bit more, um, more open into working with, with us as an athletic trainers and more open to working with other departments because I think they're starting to realize like how much of an integrated um, system it needs to be in order to be successful. Um, you know, some coaches, again, like um, athletic trainers are still very old school in their, in their thoughts and their mindset and their ways. And so, you know, they may make decisions that not are not necessarily uh, you know, best for either you or the strength conditioning staff or the nutrition staff. If you have one, you know, all the different departments are involved with the team that you're working for. Um, you know, but I am seeing that there are a lot more coaches that are becoming a little bit more open-minded and willing to work with the different departments mm-hmm. and, and trying to figure out a way to integrate everything together. Um, and it's, it's slow because it's just been such a um, different culture over a very long time that it's, it's going to take some time to transition over. But I, I do see it changing a little bit. Um, which is nice when you have some younger coaches because they're a little bit more moldable sometimes, not always the case, but um, it's certainly something that um, at least being on the, on the uh, medical model versus being in athletics, um, you know, I, I think just from a job stability standpoint that that helps out uh, quite a bit. And, you know, and, and of course, if there are any complaints on the coaches side of things, they still can, you know, go to the supervisor and stuff and, and talk if they do have concerns about their athletic trainer. So you're not completely, you know, exempt from getting, you know, fired or replaced. Um, but at least it gives you some sort of stability um, and uh, removal of any kind of, you know, bias decisions you may or may not have, you know, working with under the coaches. Sure. Yeah, we've had a couple interviews 
at our school and talking with coaches in terms of new head coaches and they kind of get through the process of OAT and they kind of come through and um in fact that we've turned over so much I've started kind of joking I've heard this story there was a head athletic trainer at a D3 in the area that would go into every new head coach's office on their first week and say, I'm so-and-so I've been, you know, since I've been here 30 years, I'm going to be here longer than you. Here's how we do things. So it was actually <laughs> the AT going into these young coaches because he knew they weren't going to be there for yep, yep. that long. But <laughs> um, I don't have a specific answer to this, even if somebody would ask me the question, but your thoughts on how can AT specifically in the collegiate setting like demonstrate their worth and their value when it's not necessarily just putting in more hours and time because I used to be that person to some degree it's improved life changes are making it have to adjust any even more at this point in my life your thoughts on that yeah. So I think the biggest thing is, is to, to show, you know, your worth and your value. Um, you know, I, I think first of all is to, to stand up for yourself and for the profession when, when needed, you know what I mean? Not, not letting uh, coaches or players kind of run how you do things. Um, and then I think the other thing is, is making sure that you're efficient with your, with your time, you know, um, I don't think it's necessarily, you know, people are like, Oh, I, I put in my, here's my worth. I put in this many hours. Well, like how many of those hours were work and how many of it were just sitting, laying around? Like, you know what I mean? Like I, you know, when you're talking about showing your worth, it's, it's not like, I don't, at least for me, you know, I don't think it's necessarily like the number of hours that you put in. I think it's the work. Like how, how productive are you being and how efficient are you being? Sure. Um, you know, and I think for me, as far as trying to get it to, to show into other people, I, I think that if you're, you know, you're, you're being efficient and you're taking care of things and you're getting stuff done and you're communicating with your staff, with all the different departments. And, you know, you're saying, Hey, you're showing how involved you are with the athletes. Like, you know, a lot of the times, excuse me. Um, you know, there are some athletic trainers, for example, you know, like, um, you know, let's say we'll use injury reports for an example. Uh, just, I'm just trying to think of something, uh, that just forces people to kind of communicate a lot. Mm -hmm. You know, some people send them every day. Some people send them once a week. Some people might not send them at all and just talk verbally talk with the coaches. Um, but you know, I think it's important to maintain some sort of, uh, uh, being able to track some sort of communication, whether it's through email or text messages and making sure that everyone involved um, is up to date because this can also show like, okay, Hey, Oh, so-and-so I'm getting an email from Eli about this athlete as far as, okay, here's what he's doing. Here's where he's, where he's at. Here's what we're doing for. Here's his plan. Like, here's how today went. Here's his, you know, he's seeing doc, here's his MRI, you know, here, you know, blah, 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 whatever it, whatever the communication aspect is. So I think sure. part of just showing value is, 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 is showing the work that you're doing. Um, you know, rehabs, for example, like communicating with staff or, or coaches about, you know, specifically what's going on in rehab. And I know a lot of people are doing this already anyway, but I think it's a combination of just, you know, showing people like what we're, what we're doing, make sure that they know about it. Cause it, you know, again, if we're just doing everything, we're behind the scenes kind of people naturally, but as much as we can to try and show people like, you know, uh, kind of what we're doing, um, and that will kind of naturally uh, sort of increase the, the value that we do have. And then on top of that, 
uh, in addition as well is just building relationship with those around us. You know, I think a lot of the times with athletic trainers, you know, we get, we work so many hours. We're like, man, I, I just, as soon as you got free time, you want to go home and we kind of forget about um, relationship building. Mm-hmm. And, you know, this can be your administrative staff, janitorial staff, you know, the, you know, nutrition staff, and just really uh, building and nurturing relationships around you uh, is also something I think can help kind of prove our, our value on our worth, because then by people getting to know you, they're a little bit more aware of what you do do, you know, versus where you're talking to like a nurse at the emergency room or your new team nutritionist, and they have no idea what athletic training is, you know, just maybe by you, you know, touching base with them every once in a while, asking them questions or just saying hi, um, they get to know you a little bit and understand athletic training profession and then understand a little bit um, that just kind of organically kind of lead to them knowing a little bit more about you and kind of what you do, which in turn is a reflection on the profession. Uh, Whether it's good or bad is kind of up to you, but um, those are some things that I personally, um, you know, I think can help. Completely agree. Uh, Well said. I appreciate it. (laughs) Um, Thoughts on the phrase work-life balance? Yes, um, I definitely have thoughts on that. I actually, I changed my viewpoints on this a little bit. I don't look at it as a work-life balance. Me personally, uh, something that I've started doing and the mindset I've adopted is work-life integration. Um, to me, I realized how much of our lives that we actually work. And so for me, it was something that it's for how much work we put into it. It's very much integrated into our lives. And for me, at least, you know, again, like I said, this is what's working for me. Trying to separate the two was, was really hard. And with, um, you know, with the adjustment and the mindset for me, I was able to kind of, I'm better able to kind of navigate, well, what do I want profession and career wise? that's going to be suitable for my lifestyle and lifestyle changes. Eventually people, you know, you get married if you want to, you have kids if you guys want and you know, you get families and all that. Like, so stuff changes. And it's, I think it's finding something that integrates with your lifestyle. Um, I think trying to separate the two gets kind of, it gets tough because you know, how do you, how do you separate two things that are basically your entire life? Uh, you know, work is, you know, I mean, you're, you're at work more than you are at home, depending on, your job, but generally that's the case. And so with spending so much time in a, in a work setting, you've got to find how it kind of integrates with, with your life. And, you know, there's no number hour attachment. There's no, it just kind of, it just, it depends on how it fits in your lifestyle, both financially, hourly, the actual work, you know, getting fulfillment, like, you know, your mental health aspect of it, like, you know, how does it integrate with your life? You know, is it, you know, is it kind of hit all the things that are important to you and are you happy? And if that's the case, then awesome. You're in a, like in a, in a perfect spot and you know, a lot of people aren't there yet and it's totally fine. A lot of it's just kind of trial and error. So, you know, I think again, finding the the type of job slash career um, that, you know, that integrates with uh, within your life, the way that you uh, want it and that results in you being happy is kind of the my thought process or kind of views behind it i had never heard of the work-life integration so i like that <laughs> one uh one i had kind of fallen onto recently was work-life flow 
Okay, yeah. And yeah. just like you, you're going to have time. I, football is my main sport. I am going to be pretty busy during football. Like I get out of there as much as I can. I get home as much as I possibly can. It is not the rat race that is Division One. Um, I've got coaches that think that way too, which is also very refreshing. Um, but then after that, like as much as I can, it's a shift. It, like it's a downshift. It's a chill out, you know, not get home after, uh, you know, get home at 530 every day. I honestly was a little worried. This is sounds stupid in hindsight, working track. And then coming to this is what am I going to do with my weekends that I don't have a track meet? It was not hard to fill. <laughs> yes. Yes. So. You'll find you'll find something to fill the time. Yes, it didn't take long. That's apparently that's podcasting, but that works. <laughs> no, right? Uh, all kinds of stuff. I'm not. I've got all this downtime now, um, and I'm just like I'm just I'm still just keeping busy running around, like sure. you know. And I think it's good too because then you know. I'm sorry to kind of go off of a little bit of a tangent here, you know. But you know, I think it's good for self reflection. You know, I was on a, a AT talks yesterday. Yep. Uh, with some of the athletic trainers, and that's one thing that kind of came up was using this time to have some sort of self reflection. You know, I, I think you know for me, um, and it, I didn't have a lot of. A lot of that, uh, a lot of that in my last year of work in college football, um, there wasn't really time to improve or grow or have any self reflection or anything. And so now I've been kind of just trial and error, trying a bunch of different jobs and careers and, and settings and just, you know, I've got time to self reflect and really figure out, you know, um, understand myself a little bit better and then grow as an individual, you know, focus, you know, learn things that I wanted to learn, um, you know, I, like there's always like use the downtime wisely. I mean, I mean, yeah, of course, everyone's going to watch Netflix and I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm a video game lover, so I'll, I'll play video games. Fair enough. I also use some of the time to, again, self-reflect and see, you know, kind of just kind of ponder, uh, ponder thoughts and ideas and just try and grow. Awesome. Anything else around burnout specifically that you want to cover? Um, you know, I, I do want to, man, there's just, there's so much, um, to it. Uh, and I think another thing, I guess I wanted to, I, I'd like to hit on is, is maybe is what to do if you're feeling burnt out. You oh, know, absolutely. Uh, you know, that's a, that's a question that I've got when I, when I went through it, um, you know, for me and I, I like, I'm a, I'm generally a very, very, very positive person. I always have been my entire life, positive, happy, don't know why, like just, <laughs> It's great. I'm not complaining. Good for you. But, Keep it that but, way. Yeah, no, I appreciate it. But like that year, that, that last year, you know, when I got burnt out, I kind of started to see that dwindle a little bit, you know, yep. my, my mind, my mind in my head, I was naturally, you know, complaining more, um, both in my head and verbally. And, you know, just kind of started to have more of a negative mindset and like little things started to agitate me a little like, so like I was self-aware enough to realize like, Oh man, this is starting to change me a little bit, which is why I, I got out and I, and I had to kind of do a 180 and adjust. Um, but going through it at the time was like, you know, how do I, how do I manage this? Like while I'm in it, you know, and everyone kind of has the things that kind of help ground them. You know, for me, it's, you know, was working 90 to hundred hours a week, you know, basically 12 months a year and, you know, it's hard to find a way to ground yourself. There wasn't, you know, exercise. Like I, I was, I was overweight. I was, you know, around 200 pounds before and I've, you know, I was working out is like meditation for some people, you know, I, well, I, when you're working that much, to be honest, like, could I make time? Like, sure. I guess at like 10 PM to 
to 10:45 and then try to go to bed at 11 and wake up at 5:30 and but you know for me it just wasn't practical i i was just i had no energy to implement any sort of self care tactics um so i think developing self care tactics is important um and if you've got time to implement them you know find the things that you know your hobbies and things hold on to them and if you're in a situation like i was in where you just have you, you you physically cannot do that then you know for me my my way of kind of grounding myself was basically just communicating with my best friends talking to people because i just i love talking to people and and in video games and luckily you know there were nights here and there where i could get on and play for a little bit with my friends and you know we would talk i would mostly vent and complain um for a little bit i would try not to but some nights i just needed to um you know but that was my way of sort of trying to you know escape my 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 reality you know at the time my escapism and my escapism was food and and video games and you know uh, i i think finding what your um if you are in burnout you know obviously you want to adjust to get it fixed uh, or if you're on your way out then great you know like do that too but if just to manage it while you're going through it until you figure out how to transition um definitely find your source of uh escapism or your source of uh, uh of grounding where you can basically just escape you know your work setting and get your mind taken off work that can be cooking for some people working out running um meditation if people meditate uh you know, uh, walks, long walks on your own with people. I mean, there's just lots of options. So find what works for you. There's not going to be a, you know, a kind of a cookie cutter, um, thing where everyone can follow it and be just fine. Yeah. You really have to kind of find what, what your escapism is and, 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 uh, focus on that and try to get you through that kind of transitional phase. Hopefully it's transitional. If you are burnt out, you know, it's, you know, fix it or get out. Like I, it's not a, a place to stay long-term, you know, and I get everyone's situations are a little bit different, um, you know, with finances and money and family and, you know, as far as needing a job and stuff, but, you know, there's just, you know, figure out uh, a way, you know, make sure that there's some sort of kind of plan or process to eventually try and, and, and fix the issue because you can't, you know, can't really sustain that for the next, you know, 40, 50, 60 years uh, of your life. Yeah, I think the hitting on the heart on the part of like it's hard to leave a job, but it's also okay too. Absolutely. Like that's you know that's a hard conversation, and obviously it does things to you financially. But it's it's part it's the ultimate decision that you always have. If it's not going to change for you, that might be what you have to do. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's definitely definitely not easy. Um, you know, it's you know, it's stepping outside of your comfort zone. You know, it's, it's, you know, whether you've been somewhere for a year or 10 years, it's, it's, it's never easy. Uh, but it's just recognizing that the big picture and, and, you know, uh, making an adjustment for, you know, for yourself in the long term. you know, um, I think is, is, is huge. And I think it's hard for people to step outside the comfort zone. Um, you know, but I think recognizing it and being able to kind of make that decision if you know that that's what's best is super important you got to be able at least for for if you're unhappy like for your own happiness uh it's it's just got to be something that needs to get done absolutely yeah 
I'm glad you brought all that up. Uh, that's a really good point. I appreciate it. Now with that, anything mm-hmm. else around burnout that you'd like to cover? Um, let's see. We talked about a little bit of that. I mean, oh, I guess, uh, I guess one more, one more quick little, I guess not really quick. I say quick, but it never is. <laughs> um, I talk a lot as I mentioned before, but, uh, rec- recovering from burnout. Um, you know, I've gotten questions on how like I recovered from my burnout. Um, and, uh, really for me, I, I took about six months off of work completely. Uh, I was in a financial situation where I could do that. I'd saved enough money. Um, and I just, I, I traveled and I saw people that I haven't seen in a long time. So for me, it was finding, uh, kind of reconnecting with relationships. So I think recovering from burnout, um, is going to be different for everybody, but I think, I think it's, it's, it's finding what means a lot to you. And so for me, it was, you know, just reconnecting and rekindling relationships that I've just kind of lost touch with over the years. And so I took time to travel and see people in person if I could, uh, I took some vacation trips and I just, I drove all around town and, uh, met with people, lunches and dinners and with families and friends. And, um, that really kind of helped you know, really kind of get me back to feeling normal again. Um, in a sense that we're like, okay, cause I, I had not, you know, I had kind of cut everybody out. It was just really just focused on my work and that was it. Um, so I think just thinking about the recovery part is, is, you know, finding, you know, kind of what makes you happy again, getting into your hobbies and the things that mean a lot to you, whether it's family, friends, knitting, painting, photography, whatever it is, um, doing a little bit more of that and then making sure that in your next, you know, job or career, whatever you're doing next, um, doesn't set you up or put you in a position of where you're going to end up where you were before. So, um, you know, for me, a lot of the you know, different jobs and things I'm trying now, I've got a really good idea of what I want. I've got a kind of a set of ground rules that I just, I will not budge from now on because, um, you know, at this point in, in my career, thankfully, I, like I've, I've been doing this long enough now where it's easier for me to find a job. Um, and so if there's, a, I am in a situation where I'm just not happy and I can't make any adjustments, then, um, and there's nothing that I can do to really kind of tailor it to the way that it would make me happy, then I can kind of uproot and try other positions, not ideal, you know, cause you know, no one wants to keep uprooting and moving around, but again, it's, it's kind of trial and error. So I think as far as recovering from burnout, if you're going through it, you know, I think, uh, don't be afraid of trial and error. You know, if you like, I've, you've never worked in the industrial setting and you're like, I have no interest in industrial, try it. Like, what have you got to lose? Maybe you try, you end up liking it. Maybe you go into the military setting and you try it and you don't, and you like it. Great. You stay. If you don't like it, then, you know, you know, figure out what you, you know, what you do and don't like about that and take that with you into your next job. So it is going to be a little bit of trial and error um, to kind of recover from it, but at least this kind of gives you a good baseline idea of what got you there in the first place. So you have a heads up on what to avoid. So that's probably one other thing I would add in addition to the burnout stuff. Sure. Um, just a follow up to that. Did you find like it was that kind of experimentation or kind of doing different things that kind of sparked you back into wanting to do kind of, I guess, you know, traditional in quotes, athletic training or back into that, into this setting? Yeah, no. So, well, for me, it's, it was really interesting. Um, you know, I, I the, the mental health business I did with some friends, uh, that was, you know, that was something that kind of was 
you know, they, my friends are licensed marriage and family therapists. It was a program for suicidal youth, total long story, but short version. I was like, yeah, let's just try stuff. Let's just try it. Why not? Like, you know, I'm, I'm all about like happiness and, you know, passionate about that. I want people to be happy in general. And so we tried it for a little while. Didn't work out. A lot of reasons. Totally fine. I learned a lot. Um, at the time I was like, you know, I'm, I'm my, one of my hobbies is Brazilian jiu-jitsu. And, you know, I started, um, I got involved with some of the jiu-jitsu tournaments and doing athletic training coverage on that side, PRN, which was nice because I can kind of pick and choose which tournaments I wanted to work. And, um, you know, I could very much uh, kind of control my, my schedule that way. So I kind of kept my foot in the door with athletic training, you know, and I, I'm still in the experimenting phase. I, you know, as, as we stopped the mental health business, I was going to go do more contract work. And I was kind of thinking, well, like, what do I want to do next? Like, I had some friends of mine were like, come to the military setting. Some of them are industrial setting. And I was like, I was looking at those options. And it just so happens that the, the city that I'm in is St. George. I, I'm living with a friend of mine who's also an athletic trainer at the university here. Um, I was living with him as I was starting the mental health business. Well, timing wise, um, as I stopped that, they had a uh, full-time uh, baseball AT leave. He's like, dude, um, would you mind? Like, do, would you be interested? I'm like, ah, no, like I really don't want to go back to college. I was like, I don't want to do it. I don't want to do it. So I was like, I'll, I'll help out PRN um, until you guys find somebody. That was my plan. I was going to hire and then figure out this year, this spring, I was just going to, I don't know, figure something out job wise, athletic training wise, not really sure if I was going to move back home to LA or stay out here in Southern Utah. I didn't know. So I did PRN stuff and I, you know, it, it wasn't too bad. I was working baseball. Okay. I, I don't, I don't, I've never played baseball. I don't follow baseball. Not a huge fan of the sport, but I was like, you know, why not? I'm open to it. Let's just try it. I tried it. You know, baseball for me, it's hard to, to get into coming from just mostly live action sports. Mm-hmm. The guys were great. The coaching staff was great. Uh, the staff's been really good to me and the hours were super manageable and the workload was, you know, again, it's, you know, we're efficient. We're not like just pulling up on wasting time and, um, I was like, okay, you know what? They weren't able to find anybody. And I was like, okay, sure. Why not? Let's, let's, let's try it. Let's do it full time until I can find it, figure out what my next step is going to be. And I'm not really sure how long I'll do this. Uh, you know, they're asking me the other day if I plan on staying here next year, I, I have no idea. So I'm actually in that experimental phase. Okay. Um, I, I don't think it's this setting, but you know, right now I'm in a good place. I don't mind it. It's good work. The guys are great. Again, it's, it's fun. I'm not burnt out at all, but I can tell that there's just more things I want to do. And so, you know, for me, I'm still experimenting. Uh, like I said, you know, one thing is, and, and sorry, I don't, I don't, I'm not trying to like plug my podcast on here, but I started a, a podcast because I just have, have this, you know, it's, um, I just, anyway, it's just my name. You like Asab on any other platforms if you guys want to listen, but anyway, that's not what we're here for. Um, but I had people plant the idea in my head cause I just, I talked to other athletic trainers and I talked to people about life, athletic training. And so I was like, okay, why not? I just said, yes. I was like, okay, Google how to start a podcast. And then I just tried it. You know, I'm just trying stuff. I'm like, okay, mm-hmm. I'll just, I'll do that for now until it's, I don't know, it becomes not fun and then I'll stop doing it you know, just trying it. And right. uh, another passion of mine is, is I, I love all things finance related. Uh, I'm a big, you know, finance investing guy. Um, I love all things stock market kind of real estate related. Um, 
and uh, I help a lot of friends and family out with personal finance, money management type stuff, investing stuff. I just kind of keep to myself because I don't want to lose other people's money. Yeah, and it's way out of my scope of practice. I don't have a right now would be a real interesting that. time. Oh, right now, side note. Oh, it's everything's on sale, and I love it. Anyway, <laughs> uh, I'm I'm buying a lot of stuff on the, in the stock market right now, but. Um, you know, but that essentially what, what I'm trying to get at is that got me thinking about some people are like, well, why don't you kind of combine that? Maybe look at the real estate field, you know, there's real estate investing, there's real estate flipping. And I, I don't have an interest in flipping, but maybe the investing side of things. So um, I've been spending time kind of researching more on that end um, and trying to see if that's something I would potentially be interested in, in doing. I have no idea. So yeah, I'm just doing a lot of things right now. Uh, again, just saying yes to kind of whatever and just trying stuff and kind of seeing what I, what I like and don't like um, and kind of see where athletic training lines up. You know, I'm not sure if it's going to be athletic training or not. If it is great, if not, no worries. I'm just mm -hmm. trying to find out, kind of find my place in this world and kind of see where I end up and what that ultimately makes me happy and what I see myself doing for the next, you know, 50 years or so or however long I'm going to live. <laughs> Sounds good. Yeah. Shall we go on to the AT chat questions? Let's do it. Let's do All it. right. Awesome. Um, what you got? I mean, even if you're not in the profession in the next five to 10 years, just based on all that, where do you see the profession going in the next five to 10 years? Um, you know, I do, I do see the profession growing in the next, uh, you know, five to 10 years. Uh, you know, I, I think a lot of teams, uh, on a lot of different levels are adding staff, um, are adding staff. And I think we're slowly starting to, it's a slow process, but um, getting uh, organizations to recognize our value. Pay skills are going up slowly. It, it needs to get up higher, but it's, it's getting there. So I, I, I think it's heading in a, in a good direction in a sense where we're starting to become a little bit more known and positions are starting to, to teams are starting to grow, programs are starting to get built. And a lot of, um, you know, high schools, colleges, and different divisions, one, two, three, um, are all starting to add staff. I know that uh, Dixie State over here is adding uh, one or two full-time staff members next year. Nice. Um, you know, and I know that they're adding, like, intern positions and stuff. So there's definitely, I think there's going to be a lot more opportunities for athletic training. Um, and, you know, a lot of uh, non-traditional settings, uh, I think, are getting really popular. So I think you're going to see a lot of uh, athletic trainers um, uh, become a bit more common in the non-traditional settings, you know, like industrial, military, uh -huh. um, or even the uh, uh, police, you know, police or uh, firefighter. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. On the EMS side of things. Um, so I think you're going to see more non-traditional and, um, yeah, more, more growth as far as, you know, uh, how do people view us in athletic training? Um, and just trying to educate people on, on what we do and, and yeah. So what advice would you give yourself if you could go back when you were a younger athletic trainer? Um, advice that I would give, um, the one piece of, I guess the one piece of advice I would give is, is learn to, learn to set boundaries and, and it's okay to say no. Um, were some of the things because I, you know, early on, I'm sure everybody, like I was just, I mean, you just yes to everything, like yes, yes, yes. And then you don't realize <laughs> the, you know, Pandora's, you know, Pandora's box kind of opens and you're like, oh, okay, I know that. Right. Now. I didn't really, I couldn't foresee that happening before. 
So uh, I think for my younger self it is, yeah, learning to kind of set boundaries and learning to say no um, are a couple of pieces of advice that I, that I would, uh, I would give and, and uh, it's okay to not know everything. Oh yeah, absolutely. I, I was, I was so nervous about being like, I don't know, or I'm not sure. Like I just, I had, I felt like I had to know everything. That's something I would, I would tell myself like, it, it's, it's okay. Really. It's fine. Just, you know, say you don't know, learn, move on and kind of go from there. Not the end of the world. I like it. What has been one of the most influential resources that you have found so far in your career? Um, the people around me. Um, I really have been so fortunate to have just uh, developed so many good relationships with so many good people um, over the course of my life. And, and um, you know, having people to rely on when I'm just in a bind or stuck in a situation, I'm not really sure what to do. You know, um, you know, for example, baseball is a new sport for me. I, you know, um, you know, reaching out to athletic trainers that have baseball experience to kind of help me with, with some certain things, baseball specific, uh, stuff was, was huge. So I really think the most influential resources I have, or I, you know, for me is just the people around me. Um, I've just, again, like I said, I've just been super fortunate to have amazing people in my life. Um, and I value relationships more than anything. Um, just because I just think that that's just kind of priceless and, um, you know, uh, invaluable. Agreed. Um, if you could change or eliminate one thing, could be a modality, a common practice, a mindset in the field of athletic training, what would it be? I've got lots. Um, but let me just pick one. Um, if you want to throw a second one in there, we're not, we're not, we're not, we're not. Okay. All right. Well, the, the, the first one I, I, I will say this is, is learn to not take, take things personally i think this is a mindset piece for athletic training uh i've seen a lot with full-time staff interns students um graduate assistants uh you know there are a lot of situations where i i see um people take things very 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 personally and it ends up uh creating a a hostile situation, not always hostile, but it just creates a negative environment or a negative situation. Mm -hmm. And I think one of the biggest mindsets people can, can obtain in athletic training um, or try to work on is trying to separate, you know, your, you know, personal um, kind of emotional side of things from like the logical and practical side of things. You know, I, I think learning to, you know, work together um, and, kind of decide like, okay, like let's say you're presented with a problem and then a solution, making sure that the problem and the solution are both thought about, you know, practically what makes the most sense from an efficiency standpoint, from a program standpoint, like what's best for this situation at hand versus, you know, and then taking, you know, take, not taking things personally, if there are suggestions back and forth, or if your idea doesn't get picked, it's okay. It's nothing personal. It's just like, let's just figure out kind of what's best for the program. And I think, sure. Um, a lot of people really kind of focus on, you know, themselves um, and on their, I guess not focus on their own feelings. Like, so if somebody were to offend them well, now that changes their decision and what their recommendations are. So now, if, you know, as a staff, you're meeting and you're like, Hey, I've got option A and B. Well, like, are you going to pick option A because it's what makes the most sense? Or are you picking option B because you're trying to 
you know, spite the other person because they offended you mm-hmm. one time doing something. You know what I mean? Yep. So I think trying to separate the two. Um, and um, I think the uh, other the other piece is just um, you know uh, for a more I guess more on the clinical side of things is just learning to get the the athletes off the table. Um, you know, all the, all the feel good stuff. Uh, I like that. A lot of that. I think that's yep. like, you got to get moving. You got to get off the table. Like you got to do mobility. You got to get working. Um, you know, all the modality, there are a lot of modalities out there. There are just so many and, um, you know, they all have their, their, their place as a supplement, but ultimately I think it's really important for people to kind of focus on just kind of getting the tape, the athletes kind of off the table when, when they're ready and getting them kind of moving and being more kind of active, um, in their treatment rehab. Program. I can appreciate that one and agree completely. <laughs> appreciate. It. Um, last one is what does being an athletic trainer mean to you? Um, I think athletic trainer, you know, I think is, it means to me is, is, you know, being a, being a healthcare provider, being a professional and being a human being. Um, I, I think it's trying to balance the, a little bit of everything. Cause you know, you, you are, it is a very unique profession. We're very involved on the athletes um, or the patients. I'll just say the, the patients cause you know, depending on your work setting, mm-hmm. but uh, you know, you do develop uh, very close and interesting relationships with people and learning to balance, you know, you being a professional healthcare provider versus, you know, being a human being, you know, you're going to see people on their best days. You're going to see people on their worst days. You know, people are going to come in and they're going to just, you know, life just kind of hits them in the face one day and then you're just happen to be the shoulder to cry on that day, you know? So I, I and I think people, you know, um, you know, you're learning that, you know, you, while you do have to be professional and maintain that professional relationship, I think, uh, at the same time, uh, it's important to maintain, you know, being a human being and being empathetic to people and kind of listening, um, you know, when, when, when you need to. And I think, um, you know, in athletic training for us, I, I, I think we're really just, you know, kind of, uh, just caring people in general. And we're ultimately out there to look out for, for, for others, you know, and to take care of others in, in lots of lots of different ways. It's not, you know, just physical injury, but it's very much mental health component to it as well. So, uh, that's what I, you know, I think it's kind of, uh, just kind of, yeah, being a, a nurturer and a provider. Well said, I like it. Um, in closing, if people wanted to get in touch with you, what would be the best way? Um, obviously um, your podcast, let's put that out there. Absolutely. <laughs> no, I appreciate it. Thank you. Um, yeah, the podcast, uh, you know, or, uh, on any social media platform, I'm really every, literally everywhere, uh, Twitter, Instagram, LinkedIn, Facebook, uh, my podcast. What else? I, I kind of, I mean, I started a TikTok, but I'm not really active in it. <laughs> I need to be though. It looks pretty entertaining. Yeah. But yeah, if anybody wants to contact me, please don't hesitate. Reach out. Uh, I'm an open book. Uh, I've reached out to a lot of people through Twitter, Instagram, um, you know, DMS and stuff, messages, LinkedIn messages. Uh, I, I pen out my cell phone number. Like it's just like, it's nobody's business uh, call. I've talked to people over the phone and FaceTimed and, um, so really just, you know, anything I can do to, to help and hopefully help people kind of navigate, um, you know, kind of wherever, uh, part they're at in their lives is huge. I, I really do enjoy it and would love to help out if anybody, you know, has any questions or needs anything. So. Awesome. Well, we thank you for taking the time and really appreciate it. 
No, I appreciate you, man. Thanks for, you know, reaching out and, you know, getting me um, on your show. It's a little bit different, you know, it's nice kind yeah. of being on the, on the other end. Um, so I do appreciate you. Um, let me come on the, on your podcast and absolutely. hopefully people get some, some value out of it. And, um, you know, hopefully we'll, we'll, we'll touch base again soon on, on different topics.